Welcome to another episode of Mersey Waves podcast. My name is Jennifer Bruce and I'm part of the Liverpool City Council communications team. I've been talking to Graham Smith, a COVID-19 survivor from Liverpool Street Scene Services. The 44-year-old thinks he contracted the virus after a weekend watching football with his friends. In this extraordinary interview, Graham tells us how the virus unfolded, what an intensive care ward is really like, and the realities of surviving but being left with serious health issues. So it was about the 13th, 14th of March, um, I started feeling unwell. We'd had um, the Atletico Madrid game with Liverpool and 3,000 fans were meant to come over who was um, who'd been in the area where, where the, the infection had been. And also there was the Cheltenham on the Friday that I went out for. But there was no such thing as lockdown then. It was all to do with um, just keep yourself safe and stuff like that. I started feeling unwell um, on the Saturday after the Cheltenham Friday. Um, and then I just started myself isolation. I'd done 12 days, but um, unfortunately, I wasn't beating it. My temperature was was way high, and um, me breathing. It was me breathing that was really starting to go. And as you know, if you can't breathe, it's pretty scary. So uh, I rung an ambulance, and they come out and took me into the hospital. And within two hours, I was in the ICU. At that point, did you know what it was? Well, at the time, as the the symptoms, you know, the loss of taste and all that wasn't there. Although, looking back now, I did have a loss of taste. I wasn't eating much anyway because I just didn't feel like... It was, it was brand new. When I was speaking to the, the people on the nine, uh, 119 lines and stuff like that, they didn't really have a clue. They just run you through sort of a list of questions each time, each day I rung them before the ambulance come. They were like, so what are your symptoms? Or oh, a bit of cough and just keep going and stuff like that. So I wasn't too sure. It wasn't until I had the test within the hospital and they come back a couple of days later and said, yeah, you've tested positive for uh, COVID-19. That I actually knew. But the doctors and the nurses were convinced before that test come back because the chest x-rays showed a lot of um, scarring and shadowing. So they were pretty much convinced that they were telling me that I had it. Were you worried? Yeah, understandably so, because first of all, I couldn't breathe. <laughs> but I was struggling to breathe. They had me on 60% oxygen, which is the maximum oxygen before they put you on a ventilator and in an induced coma. So, yeah, I was. I was, I was really worried because I couldn't breathe. Also because it was a strange situation in the hospital. You couldn't have no visitors, no one around you. It was, I've never been into ICU before. I don't struggle with anything else. Uh, I had no underlying health conditions, as they said. So I had a good chance to fight it, but yeah, it was um, it was new to me, and it was a, it's a bit scary when you get in there. Also, the situation around you with the people they were already on the ventilators and sick, and, and what you're seeing in there, it's a, it's pretty heavy at times. What happened next? Um, it got to I think it was around day three, and I was really struggling within the ICU. Um, it's probably the worst. A bit of it for me was um, the, the head consultant come in and said, look, Graham, you need to make them phone calls we spoke about. Speak to your wife, speak to your children, tell them what you need to say, because your lungs are looking like they're about to collapse and we need to get you straight onto a ventilator and an induced coma. So um, that was pretty heavy. That was, that was the worst of it, you know what I mean, having that conversation with my family. It's, it's a hard conversation to have. It's, it's that conversation that you don't want anybody to have, do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's rough, like, um, even for a rough, tough ex-soldier like myself, it's not something you want to be discussing or ever trying to cont contemplate and have with your family sort of thing, so um, 
it was, it was the hardest conversation I've ever had to have. And probably the scariest moments of my life so far. When you hung up, after you spoke to them, what was going through your head? How did you feel? Normally I like to think that I can talk myself out of any situation. Being a, a trade union man, as I say, and, and I'm always fighting the odds and arguing about stuff and stuff like that. But this one time, I, I, I didn't have any answers or questions or felt like I, I could get myself out of this sort of thing. And if I'm being honest at that point, although I'm a fighter and I, I class myself as a fighter and I thought, you've got to fight this thing yourself. At that point, my body was getting weak and tired. I couldn't get out of bed. I was really, really weak. Uh, the breathing I was struggling with. And I was starting to, to think, I, I really need to let myself get into the hands of these experts and let them you know, do what they do. I had concerns because it was brand new and it wasn't like anything they'd be treated. And I could tell that they were learning as they went just by being on the wall for three days and all the different things they had us doing. One minute it'd be turn over, lay them on your fronts. Um, next minute it'd be some other sort of thing to do. So it was just hard to put your faith in, in, in people and trust them and, and say, okay, I need to do this, do you know what I mean, today, to, to be there. What happened next? I ended up not going on to the ventilator and the um, and, and the induced coma that night. And over overnight, my body turns around, so my stats went started going up. So my breathing got a lot better. Um, not perfect, but it just started to turn for me. So over the next two days, they work with me with physios and nurses and doctors, in and out of the bed, getting me up and stuff like that. Breathing techniques were hugely uh, improving my levels and my stats and stuff like that. And luckily, I didn't need to go to that next step. I spent another two days on um, the ward doing breathing techniques and trying to work and come off my oxygen and lower it. They then put me in an isolation unit, like a, a, a self-isolated room, for the next three days and work with me with my oxygen and, and stuff there. And then it was onto the ward for a couple of days before I was discharged to go home. When you went home, were you were you feeling fit and healthy or, or what was that like? No, I was I was whacked. I just had you know, I just was still fighting COVID pneumonia as they say and I was absolutely couldn't walk 100 metres, couldn't get up the stairs, um, struggling chest-wise with my breathing and stuff like that. So it was, it, was, no, it was really hard. I was very, very tired all the time sleeping, which is not normally like me. I'm normally on the go. Um, but, but no, it was, it was very, very hard when I, got, when I got out first. It took me months and months to sort of build myself up with walking and riding my bike and stuff like that. But even now, I, I get chesty. Um, especially in the first 15 minutes of walking and cycling and stuff like that. I can feel tightness within my chest. I still get tired, uh, which again, wasn't like me. I used to do a, a lot of physical activities and stuff like that, but they just said that it would take six to 12 months or it maybe even more. They don't know the side effects yet. Um, they're still running tests on me. I've got blood tests tomorrow. Um, I'm part of um, like a, a geo study into your um, genes and stuff like that. And also giving plasma to, 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 to help with the antibody stuff and, and that. You don't fit the normal profile. I mean, you're young, fit, healthy, no underlying health conditions. Do you know why this hit you so hard? Do you have any idea? No, uh, no, and none of the experts could tell me. Don't get me wrong, I'm not as young and fit as I, I once was. Um, but I'm certainly, yeah, as I say, I had no COPD, asthma, diabetes, and, and uh, kidney liver damage, they said, or anything like that. So no, they didn't know. And there was also... Um, 
other patients in there who were very fit, who were suffering in the ICU just like myself. So it was confusing because at first it was like, okay, if you've got underlying health conditions, if, if you're part of a certain age group um, and bits like that, it'd hit you harder. So I, I still think that, you know, every single day the hospitals are full and they're full with all sorts of people with, with, with you know, suffering from it. What we know now, would you have behaved differently in March or April? Yeah, if I'm honest, um, yeah, because I've obviously changed my life since. You wear your mask, keep your distances, use your hand creams, do everything you possibly can do. Um, because we didn't know back then, as I say, there was no such thing as even lockdown. Then when I was in hospital, lockdown actually happened. When I come out, it was quite strange that people were standing on the step on a Thursday, I think, and clapping. I come out of on a Thursday and I was wondering why my family was clapping on the step and making noise. I thought there was a bit of trouble going on outside. Not that I could help at the time because I couldn't get off the couch. But um, yeah, it sort of all changed for me then sort of thing. So knowing what I knew now, 100%, I would try and put as many measures in place and follow the guidance where I could because it's, uh, it's scary if this thing gets you and gets you the way it got, got me. It's, uh, you're going to know about it, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter who you are. It's, it's a scary, scary thing. You've been in the army, you know, you've, you've seen lots of kind of scary things. Yeah. Talk to me about that. I've, I've, you know, I've done tours of Bosnia, I've been in places and I've seen bits and bobs. For me personally, um, and this is only my story here now, now is um, this was far scarier and, and for, for myself and worse situation I sort of got myself in or I'd found myself in than any other of my previous life. You know, I've boxed, I've... I've been in some situations where you think, OK, do you know what? There's a bit of fear here, there's a bit of whatever, but nothing like um, being told to ring your family and have that conversation sort of thing because your lungs are going to collapse. How has your life changed? What do you do differently now that you didn't before? It's just taking note of the guidance and what's going on. We're in tier three at the moment, so staying in, not mixing it in other social groups keeping my distance, even when I'm working. You know, I'm working in an industry where we look after over 700 uh, people and it's all operational within the city. So these are essential workers. They have to do the key jobs that they do. So we're in and around a lot of people. So again, trying to get that message out there to them to just make sure we keep our distances, wear our masks, wash our hands and put every measure in place that we can do to, to, to make us safe until we find a vaccine or there's some herd immunity or, or some sort of light at the end of the darkness. So just just do my best to try and follow the rules. When I spoke to you the other day, you got quite upset and quite emotional about it. And I, I interviewed another patient um, last week who had very much the same reaction. Um, and it kind of made me think, you know, are there going to be a lot of people that are going to have... Mental health and yeah, stuff PTSD. like that. I mean, have you thought about that? For me personally, you know, as I say, I've been in, in, in situations before and I've dealt with, you know, loss and this, that and the other, but at the end of the day, it's, I think I'll, I'll be all right. Just talking about it with you, like with yourself now helps. No one should be ashamed of um, being anxious, upset, um, scared, fear, whatever it is. You should just get it out and talk. It's a bit, mental health's a big thing and that's part of this. And this is why people still want gyms open go and see the families, this, that and the other, because it's a huge part of, it's not just about the virus, it's about pe people's mental health and, you know, where we are with that sort of thing. So it's a hard one. It's frustrating for everyone. Have you become a bit of a 
COVID advocate or ambassador at work? I mean, do you drive the message home and, and talk about your experience to get people to, to do you know what they need to do? Yeah, I think the lads and girls are fed up with me. You could say that. But yeah, it is. It's, it's me mostly pushing it and making sure if I see people standing around or too close, not wearing the right equipment or washing their hands or whatever, then I'll have them conversations with them. Uh, but I also try and educate them as well, sort of thing, on, on on what they should be doing. It's frustrating. It's frustration for everyone, sort of thing. I, I get that. People are fed up with it. Some people think, is this real? It's never affected anyone around them or whatever else. You know, you've got the business side of things and, and, and the employment side of things and people out of work and getting furloughs and now it's tough for everyone. But I think there's just got to be a, a common sense approach sort of thing and we just have to make sure we do it as much as we can, follow the guidance as much as we can do and hope the politicians sort out the mess that they're in um, and, and, and give the hospitals the chance to... to to have a breathing space sort of thing. So maybe we need a circuit breaker, but if we are doing, make sure we support local businesses and um, local people and, and with, with, with the money that they need or the finance that they need to get through these hard times because otherwise you are going to have a lot more issues. You're going to have them mental health issues on top of what's going on already. Coming to the staff at the Royal Hospital, what were they like? They were unbelievable, you know, at, at the, when I was in the Royal, it was it was brand new to them and they were pulling uh, all, all, all the nurses and the doctors from all different wards. So not necessarily that they worked on the ICU, but they were brought in just to help out because the shifts, you know, you had literally two, two nurses or, or, and a doctor with you 24-7 on each patient, looking after them, making sure, 24 hours a day, watching over you when um, you were sleeping and stuff like that. So they really are the heroes. I haven't got a chance to thank them personally yet because of the situation. I'd love to go in and say um, thank you, but they, they really are the heroes of the, the moment sort of thing. They work hard and, it's, and again, I know people who work in the hospitals and the Royal and they tell me at the moment they're full again, the wards are full, they're struggling to, to, to get people in and it's all COVID and stuff like that. So it's just thinking about them people as well who put themselves and their lives at risk, saving our lives. What do you want people out there to do? Just follow the guidance as best as you can. As I say, I know it's frustrating for everyone and you know people think, oh, it won't affect me and that, but I can assure you that if it gets older and it gets older like I got myself, you're going to know about it and you're going to wish that you followed some of these rules. Um, nobody's perfect, nobody knows. It changes every day, every hour sometimes about what to do or what not to do and stuff like that. And as I say, I know it's very frustrating and it's very hard for people who are out of work or they've got their own businesses and, and freelancers, you name it, people who work in restaurants, the gym trades, the this, that and the other. They just need to bear with it, I think, a little bit longer and hope that uh, we get through. I know that's easier said than done. Anything else you want to add? Just stay safe. Everyone stay safe. Do what you're meant to do, and hopefully we'll get through it. That was Graham Smith, a COVID-19 survivor, talking to me, Jennifer Bruce. If you found that interview thought-provoking, please take a listen to other content produced by the communications team at Liverpool City Council. And if you would like to be a subscriber and get an alert every time new audio is produced, then sign up by going to merseywaves.co.uk and hitting the subscribe button.